Jones. Fuck ass Jones. Fuck ass Jones. I'm here to fuck ass and be called fuck ass Jones. And I'm all out of being called fuck ass Jones. Yeah. But there's asses to fuck. Oh, there's no shortage of asses to fuck. I'm very glad to hear that your name is not a misnomer. You know, I'd be very disappointed if I met fuck-ass Jones and fuck-ass Jones wasn't interested in any ass-fucking. Right. Oh, I tell you what, if fuck-ass Jones sees an ass, fuck-ass Jones is gonna fuck it after receiving clear, informed consent. Fuck ass Jones plays by the rules. Exactly. That, that, I, I can respect that. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Inf- yeah, good. Informed ongoing and consent is very important. I'm glad that fuck ass Jones respects that. Fuck ass Jones is here to fuck ass. Be called fuck ass Jones and respect the agency of every ass they come across. Fuck ass Jones. <laughs> every ass they come across. Come across, come in. I'm an ass man. <laughs> to reference to old. Yeah, I'm now just picturing the sax man, but it's the WWE ass man. WWE wrestling with Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass. The yeah. was. Was <sighs> a wrestler, I would imagine. Yeah, I've done my bit. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't. There's no mileage in Fuckass Jones. Is the thing. I mean, look. You could have had some plot twists. We could have discovered that Fuckass Jones actually secretly likes, you know, titty fucking. Yeah, the twist in the tail. <laughs> Fuckass Jones loves them titties. <laughs> I'm not even sure if the accent may be Australian sometimes. <laughs> Fuckass Jones is maybe Australian sometimes. That's the fourth thing Fuckass Jones does. <laughs> Here to fuck ass, be called fuck ass Jones, respect the agency of every ass they come across, and that fourth one. Possibly be Australian from time Possibly to time. Possibly, for a minute. Occasionally becomes Australian mid-sentence, you know, if they feel like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> if I said mate as a calibrating line, probably couldn't manage it, apparently. <laughs> fuck ass Jones. Sometimes I come in with a bit, I'll be like, you know, oh, too much fucking mints. I'll turn up with that. We'll all have fun with it. Sometimes I think excitedly, fuck ass Jones, fuck ass Jones, fuck ass Jones. And then I start it and immediately know in my heart, oh, this goes nowhere. Well, see, here's the thing. As long as you acknowledge that it goes nowhere, you're like those video game tutorials that acknowledge that they're bad tutorials, because by acknowledging it, you've made more content and it's good now. That's true. Yeah. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I I needed to type something quickly. I wanted to type in Road to Nowhere so I could double check the lyrics so I could then sing it about Nathan Fuckass. But in order to do that, I had a spirit level in my mouth because it was in my hand and apparently it didn't occur to me while on a podcast to leave the hands free and the mouth free. Hmm. In fact, out of the two in an audio medium... I'd say I rely on my mouth more than my hands. Right. I mean, traditionally so. Yeah, which is very different from when something something sex. Something something sex. Yeah, most jokes, so long as you can work out what a something something is, if you end it with sex, right, it's always a winner. Uh, You say that the mouth is more important than the hands in podcasting. I'm going to try and prove that wrong in the coming weeks because... 
I've got a wonderful um, segment that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. I've got a, a lovely parcel on its way to me. I bet I know what this is because I bet they reached out to me too and I hadn't gotten around to responding to them about it yet. <laughs> oh, God, this. Is is this about the game of goo? Yeah. Oh, not the goo. Yeah, it's the goo. Oh, I got reached out to about the goo too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got back to them. It's a product called Gamergoo. There's no way I cannot get back to them. Well, yeah, I mean, that was sort of where I was with it, too. I'm like, sir, but I don't like I know my hands get sweaty when I'm playing a video game. Uh-huh. But yeah. I think I would feel weird if it didn't. Well, here's the thing, right? The name is the opposite of what the product is meant to do. Yeah. This is what gets me. I'm not putting goo on my hands. And expect, what, right, what if someone who's into, like, egg laying, right, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. got one of those oviposters, is that what it's called? I don't Ovipositor. know. Ovipositor. Right, they've got basically a big rubber tube with eggs in it, right, and they want to squeeze it up their bum, right? Right. You know what? If you're a gamer, you might be interested in that goo. And what if you, what if you decide, right, to goo up your eggs... And then squirt them up your bum, right? And then you dry out the inside of your bum and your shit and dust, right? There's a reason why it's lubricated up there. Not enough for knobs. You have to usually have to help the knob along. But look, right? If it's if it's like drier than Arizona up there, poos a it's not worth sticking game of goo up your ass. So yeah, Gamer Goo's an antiperspirant goo for gamers with sweaty hands. Yeah. I've got some coming to me because I I need to find out on the podcast how, how dry my hands can become. Just slather it on for the whole hour. Well, it's supposed to last three to four hours. That's also something I'm not crazy about. It doesn't feel like it should last that long. I've had goo before. Yeah. <laughs> not to... Not to confess. You've had goo in your hands before? Yeah, not, not, to, not to, you know... Turn this podcast into the goo, the red goo diaries. <laughs> but oh, red goo! Yeah, you should get that checked out. Yeah, I've got a red goo problem. I think it's this vaccine. I had my first shot. Now I've got <laughs> now I've got red no. goo. My goo's turned red. No. Oh god, there's nothing worse than if you find blood in your goo, consult a doctor immediately. Um, but no, no, I've had this kind of goo before. It wasn't game of goo. A friend got me and a friend of mine. We both had this, and we both thought it was really good. Uh, it was just called dry balls. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I mean, if they'd have called it like you know testicle goo, I don't think it would sell well. It doesn't have the alliteration that game of goo has, but it's the same thing. It's you mm-hmm. know a, a a cream liquid, more liquid based rather than a powder, non powder based dryer kind of thing and i'll tell you what right dry balls worked and had a more indicative name mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i tell you what right yeah. what it says on the tin squeezy bottle so that game of goo you're both gonna both gonna goo it up i think i'll let laura handle this one yeah i'm, I'm gonna goo it up I, I will report back in the coming weeks once i've had a chance to you know try gooing myself up but mm-hmm. i don't get Sweaty hands all that much playing a game. I mean, I mean that's weird because I, you know, I'll break into a massive bucket of sweat getting out of bed, but video games, no. I never do unless I'm speed running, and there's something about the panic of oh god, can't take my hands off the controller for a second mm-hmm. that seems to like panic induce it. 
Oh, I just douse whatever I'm holding. Mm. It's just it's just the way it is. Real real moist boy in the palms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moist hand boy. Yep. Side note: Oxenfree sequel just got announced. Oh. Oh. For this year, that's pretty cool. I remember that video game. Yeah, I remember enjoying that video game. Sequel looks kind of cool. Sorry, video games. This is Pogquisition. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, you somehow managed to trick us into talking about video games. Yeah, I did. Hell yeah. Damn it. This is a video game podcast, ostensibly. It's the first nine minutes. Why can't we make it to 11.3 minutes? Hey, you you 90 seconds in were like, I'm done with my bit already. I fucked up. I fucked up. There, there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough mileage in fuck-ass Jones. I gave you some extra room to talk bullshit for a minute, but we're doing video games. I had wiggle room and I fucked it. Who's played a video game? Conrad. Um, I did play a video game. Well, so I just finished, right as we were getting ready to start recording, finished playing a game that Laura tipped me off to called Say No More. Yeah, I think this game is fascinating. That is a word that you can use <laughs> to describe this game. There is more to it than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, I don't want Conrad to know anything about it, but I want him to play it. Yeah. So you could say that when you recommended it to him, you finished the sentence, yeah, yourself, listeners. I, I did make the joke when 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 she did that. Yeah. Um, well, what's the fucking point then? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, say no more is a game where you are an intern starting their first day at a corporation. Where in a society seemingly where oh do you live in it? You do live in it. <sighs> Everyone's forbidden to say no. No has basically become a forbidden word. <gasps> do what you're told. Comply. Just nod and say yes to everything that the powers that be tell you to do. Cancel culture. Well, not just the powers that be, but everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, just agree to everything. Oh, like. Like what I do in social situations because of innate anxiety. Yeah. I mean, it plays around with that a little at the start. Like, I think the first thing that your character doesn't want to say no to is you've got a roommate who for nine months hasn't paid the rent and goes, can you can you pay the rent for me again? That's well, and that 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 pays off. I mean, it's a yeah, running yeah. thread throughout it. It, it, it is a, uh, you know, a subplot. That's running through this game, this relationship with the roommate and their inability to pay rent and your inability to say no to them about continuing to pay their rent for them. Is this a liar liar situation where it's like you can't lie doesn't mean you have to shout in a Jim Carrey voice really loud? Well, yeah, sort of. Yes. It frustrates me, that kind of story. It shouldn't. I I let it bother me too much. The game is an on-rails affair. Mm-hmm. where you are in scenarios throughout the course of a single day at this office. It's sort of a one-button game. It's got modifiers, but it is essentially just... You've got the no button and ways to modify the kind of no you're doing. The application of your no, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. like you're going to, like, you know, sort of nod along as if you're going to say yes and then throw a cold no at them. That, mm, see, this is some of the shit that, that I have a problem with in the game actually, is these modifiers. Mm. So the way that the no system works is over time you will gain access to different types of no. There's an angry no, which you start with, um, but later there's a cold one and there's a dismissive one and a wacky one. 
mm-hmm. which is, yeah. you know, and, and they're presumably they're supposed to work differently in different contexts. They fucking don't. It doesn't seem that that's the case in any way, shape or form. Yeah, like 100% these are there for tone. And like, I I enjoyed their presence because it meant that I could sort of role play a little bit like what kind of dismissal yes. of this do I want to do? But really, the only thing you actually functionally need to do is occasionally laugh in people's faces to charge up your meter so that you can do a big no at people. And that's where I have a problem. So you have those four states of no that you can be in. I thought we lived in the states of no. Uh. No healthcare. <laughs> no unpoisoned water. Oh. No reliable government. Are we right? Are we... Are we right on this podcast? We are right. We are right. The person who emails me every time I criticize the Democratic Party. (laughs) In addition to this on the analog sticks over time, you'll get access to four sort of pre-no reactions you can perform. And the purpose of this is to build up a confidence meter on you that you can then charge up your no to make it more forceful. Now, the first one you're given is to just laugh at these people. And then say no. And then later you get one where you're pretending to be thinking, you do a mocking clap, and I think there's a nod. Yeah, there's a nod in there as well. And this is where I have the problem with this, because it seems to encourage the idea that you should be mean about the way in which you say no to mean people. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessary or helpful or conducive to addressing those kinds of relationship problems. I agree that if you think too much about some elements of this, they're not necessarily, you know, don't apply these one-for-one as real-world lessons. I'm just saying. And that's fair. It's a very much a game of catharsis. It is a game of enjoying the feeling of, oh, you're asking something unreasonable of me, I'm going to laugh in your face and, and shout no at you. I would never actually do that, but it feels good to do it. And the game rewards discretion in its use. Yes. Like, there are conversations, well, for one thing, saying no in the midst of anyone talking to you interrupts what they're saying and sends you further along the the track yes in some cases and this is indicated to you very clearly when it's someone that's like hey you should probably give this person a chance to say what they're going to say it's it's indicated with a different color and it doesn't feel functionally like it matters the timing of when you say a no oh if you say a no in these contexts but it feels when you're playing it at least that it does make a difference indeed and there is some interesting uh use of your preconceptions about those colored prompts that gets Mm -hmm. used that i quite enjoy yep there are points at which it feels like like there's a sequence in the game where you're going through chasing after. This all revolves around you chasing after trying to get your lunchbox back, which is ridiculous yeah. and fun and, and, you know, charming. The visuals remind me very much of like games like Muscle March. A lot of, yes. a lot of this reminds me of Muscle March, yeah. actually, uh, both mechanically and visually and, and tone wise. Yeah, yeah. But. There will be points where you're going through chasing after the president of the company and they are going through meetings that they are having with employees, telling them basically all of the ways that they are not going to serve the needs of the employees 
and actively <laughs> fight against their betterment and well-being. Things like we're going to reclassify overtime as power time so we don't have to pay you extra money. And Your contract says that you're paid for overtime, but you did power time, so no overtime for you. Right. And it's interesting because when faced with this situation, uh, the president leaves and leaves you there to explain everything to the employees who were just informed of this. And mechanically, you can do nothing but say no in this game. Really. That's the only thing you can do. It's no or silence. Yes, it's no or si- or inaction, right? Yeah. And inaction then is tacit agreement. Yes. In basically all circumstances, which I think is really interesting, very limiting. <laughs> and in this particular situation, as the other characters are talking about what they were just told and puzzling it out. They are stating facts. Yes. So I know exactly the scene you're on. I really think that scene is handled poorly because there is some double negativeness going on. I don't want to disagree with anything that they're saying because everything that they're saying is accurate and horrifying. Yes. And they come to the conclusion that they should. That, oh, this is how this works. This is bad. Yes. But it feels as though I'm supposed to say no, because this is immediately followed by a scene where you're basically convincing people to start a union. Yes, because that's the thing. The union scene is such a better example of how this can work, because it's much more obvious that no is the answer that will push them in the correct direction. That first scene, I think, is like, it is not explained well that no will move that forward. Right. In the right way. But the game is ridiculous in delightful ways. Yeah. I firmly stand behind the general idea that they're trying to convey, which, to their credit, they do a pretty good job of making explicit in the game's conclusion. Yeah, that it is um, not necessarily reflective of the real world and should not be taken as one-to-one. And And on top of that, you know, just talking about nuance and the complexities of this. And, you know, it's like, this is a very simplistic thing that we're saying, but it's important to keep in mind that you do have the power and the ability to say no and have confidence and stand up for yourself and be the person that you are. Yeah, and establishing boundaries is important and helpful. Yes, so all of that is stuff I I completely get behind. Yes. Um, the spirit of it is strong. However... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The game takes a turn in the third act. Look, I think that it's attempts to humanize the characters that it tries to humanize. One character. Uh, uh, yes, one character. character that I want to yeah, that I have a problem with the way that they humanize. I don't want to get into too many specifics, but I'll say this. I think at the core of what they're trying to do there is something that is handled reasonably well, which is the portrayal of a very real idea that exists of I had to go through something bad, so you should have to go through it too, and that perpetuating poor treatment of others. I think that that is definitely a concept that is interesting. I didn't think that we would get a game like this touch on, like, there are some conversations in there at points about things like, essentially feel like that conversation around we shouldn't cancel student loan debt because, you know, it's not fair to people who paid it. But like, um, mm, mm, mm. I have complicated feelings about them trying to trying to redeem that character. Yeah, 
And it's not that I don't feel as though we shouldn't be showing empathy towards the people that hurt us. Because in a lot of cases, yes, they have hurt as well. And there is trauma's real. It affects our choices. It affects our perspective and our view on the world. However, I think that character works if you treat them as the individual that they are and not as a larger observation about the group of people that they represent. And they are a wholly fictional character in that sense because exactly. it's just there's absolutely no sense of a reflection that a person that lands in that position has that redemption arc or that sense or self-awareness or concern. I don't believe you could win this story in real life the way that you do in this game by a long stretch. Oh, well, this story couldn't. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. And that, I mean, you know, which is, which that's, and that's going to be the argument is, oh, well, the whole thing is ridiculous. Well, of course it is. Of course it's all ridiculous. But that doesn't mean we should be saying, hey, you know what? Yeah. It's okay. You had all these opportunities handed to you and sure you worked hard but you're you're fucking people and that could be handled more firmly i know that we've been like picking at some like you know some problems across where's jeff, jeff bezos where <laughs> is james stephanie sterling's million dollars that's what we all want to know <laughs> the fuck are they where the fuck oh my god uh, right you'll never guess how much jeff bezos owes me right is that a million quid a million full queen heads uh, where are they where's the money lebowski i want my fucking money lebowski i want my uh, refund on outriders and i want my million pounds oh. jeff fucking bezos lebowski the bezowski there we are, hey. the big Bezowski. Yeah. Where's my fucking money? To zoom back out a little bit on, like, overall thoughts on Say say No More, I have my problems with it, and I have my things that I would be critical of it, you know, on paper. Yeah. I really loved it. I don't know that I loved it. I know I definitely feel more positive than you do. Yeah, but, but it is bright and inspiring in many ways. The roommate subplot is... Yes. Great. You know, um, and it, it's something I think absolutely everybody can identify with. Yeah. It is it, oddly moving. I had moments where this game made me well up. It's two hours of silly over-the-top nonsense, but it's got moments of having some good points to make about things like workers' rights and class solidarity, and it's got some really lovely moments about standing up for yourself and asserting your own needs, and becoming a more confident and happy person as a result. And it's got these lovely, wonderful moments that felt very empowering. It's got characters that I think are very endearing. Yep. And I had a wonderful time playing it. I think I benefited from playing it on stream in that there was something wonderful about having a couple of hundred people in the chat very powerfully spamming no at certain moments, which got me sort of on the right energy. But I really love this game. It has problems, but I'm willing to overlook them. I had a great two hours. Taken on the whole, I do think it's something that's worth checking out. It does have a tremendous amount of charm. And I frankly, I would probably wouldn't be so hard on it if I didn't think that they were so close. That's the thing. The criticisms we've had here are not out of not enjoying this game. It's that it does so much right with such a simple concept. It is so close to being an incredible game. Yeah, and it's it's like two hours to play through. Yeah, it's pretty much exactly two hours to play through, and I can't 
recommend it enough in spite of its flaws as like it is a unique very joyous interesting game yes i i would agree with everything you just said there it is well worth sitting down for two hours with and i think you will certainly have a memorable time that will be unlike anything else you've really played yeah i'm very glad i tried it yeah it's good Right, Steph, what have you played this week? Me? You! <laughs> well, first of all, right, I've been playing politics. Mm. I've been playing politics. I've been using my connections in Pittsburgh to get myself a wrestling match. Ooh. I just thought I'd drop that. Oh, yes, mm, yes. Yeah, I thought I'd front load it. Well, 27 minutes in, I'd front load it. Yeah, April 24th, I've mentioned the show before. Um, April 24th, 3pm Eastern on the Go Professional Wrestling Twitch channel will be the Polyam Cult Party. Um, I did one last year as the ring announcer. This year I've got a match. This year Commander Sterling will face Kimberly Spirit in an Sterling Rules match? What could that be? You'll have to tune in and find out. So will Kimberly. But I promise you it's 100% fair. The rules are 100% equal. Nothing is tilted in anyone's favour. A Sterling Rules match is of my own design. It will be my first match since 2019. And I am very, very, very looking forward to it. And just to sweeten the deal. Because my good friend, the gavel, David Lawless, is defending the Regency itself. Um, will actually be defending the Grand Championship. I thought, to sweeten the honey pot on the Sterling Rules match, I would put up one of my prized boglins. Oh. That is how important this match is to me. I've put a boglin on the line, folks. So you tune in. This will be my first match since twenty, yeah, since 2019. I am currently undefeated in Pittsburgh, Ooh. in the Northeast. Ooh. So I can add that to my list of accomplishments. First open league title holder in Mississippi and Alabama. First non-cis holder of a major Pittsburgh promotions top title. Thank you very much. The person who's been carrying that company on their back for over a year. To the ingratitude of everyone, call me a thief. I'm the reason that title's relevant. Have you played any games? Anyway, the point of all that is that Liar Liar should have been called Rude Bastard. I've been playing Outriders. Oh, wait a minute. No, you haven't. <laughs> playing. <laughs> See, you at least put oh. it on the topic list. I forgot to do that because I... Well, yeah. I can't get in a game. No. I've managed to play a bit, in fairness. Like, in dribs and drabs. It always ends with, you know, I give up. Because it's shit, and the servers keep breaking, and you like say, oh, don't be too hard on it, it's not the game, it's the servers, which if it's always online, the game is the fucking servers. If I can't play it for two weeks, that's ridiculous. I'm trying to get a refund right now. I've literally not made it into a game. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and there are people that have, yeah. and that's fine. They say it's brilliant. What I have played was, it's not brilliant. It's a looter shooter. It's fine at best. It's not worth this hassle. I need a refund. This is a product that should be recalled. This is a product that doesn't work. Video games. Hey, when you have single player modes, this is why you need to make sure they can be played offline. Always online is a joke 
of a phrase anyway, because these games aren't always online. They want us to always be online. But as I've said before, the publisher is under no self-same obligation, even though we're the fuckers that paid to get in or not get in, as the case may be. Two weeks. That's completely indefensible. And fuck everyone who got mad when I put that Impressions video up about Outriders. I waited a week. I tried to get in multiple times. Yeah. I was more than fair. Two weeks on and I'm still trying to get in to try and, you know, maybe do another video on it so I can talk about the game itself. And this is as far as I get. Last night, I tried multiple times to get into a game and got booted with, you know, server error or whatever it is, can't contact the server. I finally get into a game. It's like 2 a.m. I didn't stay up trying. It was one of the nights I couldn't sleep. So 2 a.m., I'm like, fuck it. I get in. I actually get a game or two. Fucker crashes. <laughs> now, you can defend the game on the basis of it's just the servers all day long. That's the third crash I've had with that game. Yeah. The game is fucked. And also, it works just fine for me in any video game or tech-related discussion is the most fucking yeah. useless thing you could say. It helps no one. It just implies someone else is lying because you had a good time. And I had a shit time, and I'm not implying you're lying. So extend me the same courtesy. Don't be a AAA publisher and extend the same courtesy someone's extending you. It works fine for me, helps nobody. And I don't want to, you know, have too much of a go because for a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever said that. But for me, it's especially after all these years, I've lost count of how many times I've had to hear it. So it doesn't help. And getting mad at me for not having your opinion of a game I can't even fucking play despite spending money on it. I am actually offended that anyone got angry at my not even opinion. It was a statement of fucking fact. The game is always online. You can say, oh, the servers, it's not the developer's fault. It's always online. That's someone's fault. The fact I can't play single player is someone's fault. That is a choice that the company that made the game made. Yeah, either people can fly or Square Enix, yeah. Yeah. One of the two. Someone in charge of this game said you can't play it if you're not online and then didn't make sure the servers would be yeah. up to that task. Yeah, you have to be online to play it, but we don't have to be online to sell it. Fuck you. The state of the mainstream video game industry is a goddamn joke, and anyone using triple A unironically in this day and age is a sycophant and a charlatan whose writings should be burned. Fucking hell. Everyone stop making excuses for this pathetic industry. Yeah. Liar Liar's premise is flawed. <laughs> Conrad, what you played this week? Um, it's crazy because I'm looking at this list and you've played like six games. I've played like three of them. You've played two of those. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you keep going to me. Why don't you tell me about a game, Laura? Yeah, throw us a game we've not played here. Fine. 
I'll tell some of you about a game. I played a game that you might be aware of if you watched the Jimquisition this week, because uh, the lovely Casey Explosion did a lovely little sales pitch for it at the end of the episode. I came up with a name for that segment. Monday afternoon after the video had already gone up. <laughs> the Indie Show Casey. Oh, of course. Well, that's fine. The Indie Show Casey will happen next time it we'll happens. do it next time, yeah. Yeah. So I played Adios, which Ooh. is... Another two-hour-long indie game that recently released. I don't want to go into too much depth about this one, because it is very, very narrative-driven. There's very little in the way of variants of experience, depending on your input as a player. But it is a game where you play an old man who is a pig farmer who has basically, for many, many years, worked with the mob, helping them dispose of parts of bodies by feeding them to the pigs, and this man has decided he no longer wants to do that, he no longer is interested in being responsible for disposing of bodies, and he wants out of this this work he's doing for the mob. And the game is largely one two-hour conversation. There are dialogue options that can be made along the way, there is some small interactions you can do in between bits of conversation, but it is largely about you and your mob connection, who, you know, is responsible for getting you to dispose of these bodies, walking around the farm and just talking together. And it's got a really beautiful, bittersweet tone to it. It is incredibly well written. The performances from the two main actors are fantastic and really help sell the experience. The game is not afraid to use silence and conversational pacing very effectively. And I think one of the most interesting things it does mechanically that I, I think is not a spoiler to talk about is that the game will frequently make use of offering you dialogue choices mixed in with ones that you can actually say. Mm. That if you try and pick them, you don't say anything. Hmm. And the way they're presented is very much like, this is a thing that the character wants to say, but can't bring themselves to do it. Okay. And it gives you an interesting sense of insight into what the character is experiencing. And I think it's fair to say, in some cases, what they're not ready to admit to themselves as much as what they're... like. It might be that they don't feel confident enough to say it to the other person, but it might just be, I can't verbalise it yet because then it's real sort of thing. It plays around a lot with the inner turmoil of a very difficult conversation that someone is clearly very conflicted about. I don't want to say much more about it because it is such a game built on its narrative, but yeah, Adios is something really special, very poignant. I will warn you going in, it's pretty emotionally heavy. There are some particular themes, including mental health and relationships to family members, that are quite difficult to go through, but like, if you are prepared for something that really just sits and takes its time with letting two characters really develop themselves and being a part of developing their interactions, I can't recommend this enough. It is it is superb. I think that it is a very impressive video game. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those where I don't want to say any more unless I was going to get into a spoiler discussion about it, because there there is a lot of very interesting conversations to have about it, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's two hours long, and I believe it's on Game Pass. Okay. So 
Give it a look. Yeah, I, I think I will do that. It does sound interesting. Yeah. yeah. Comrade, I'm throwing the ball back to you. What are you playing? Okay, well, yeah, I see. I'll, I'll gladly take it at this point. Now, I, <laughs> I played It Takes Two, which recently EA published its co-op only game. This is from the Away Out uh, person. Y- yeah, yeah. And it, you control a couple that has decided to divorce... And their child has transformed them with a wish into dolls that she made. Mm. And they are being forced by a pretty annoying book to fix their marriage. I got problems with the premise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say anything until you'd played it because I knew you were playing it on stream the other night. But um, yeah, it is very much... Hey, if I just wish hard enough, maybe my parents will love each other again. And if we just work hard enough, this relationship that is clearly not working, is it can be made to work. Yeah. Premise aside, it's a really creative game. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I played it through the first like major zone of the game. So I didn't get too far in, but the segments feel sh- brief enough that the mechanic that they introduced in this case, in this first one, it was um, one player has a hammer head and the other player has nails that they can throw. And so the hammer can smash things and the nails can be fired into things. And so the, the nails can be used to hold up things that the hammer has knocked into place temporarily, or they could be shot into walls for the person with the hammer to then swing off of to get to new environment areas. There are glass things that the hammer person needs to break in order to progress. And they're well-designed puzzles. Nothing is too long to the point where it feels like the mechanics have really outstayed their welcome or that they're, you know, wasting a lot of time. They're nice, compact little things. The bosses are kind of the exception to that, where those can feel like they're really dragging unless you figure out the very specific things you need to do to make it happen faster. And then sometimes you've figured that out after you've spent a very long time time playing it out slow and draining their health that can be a little weird it's also creepy yeah like really creepy at times spoilers for one of the first boss encounters of the game but you fight a vacuum cleaner that's sentient (laughs) and in the end you defeat it by grabbing its hoses and putting them up to its eyes to be sucked out by its own hoses and it's deeply upsetting it's more intense than it needs to be with such a light-hearted concept. Yeah. And on the one hand, it really does make me kind of want to play more. Because it is really dark, and I'm, I'm expected to see some more truly fucked up shit later on. But at the same time, you know, I'd been playing it with Linda, and afterwards we were really like, you know, it was fun playing that on the stream, but I feel no compulsion to go back and pick it up and get further in. It feels very competent. So here's the main thing I will say that I think is a problem with this game. If you had to guess, how long do you reckon this game would end up being? I mean, it feels like it should only be about six hours. Uh, It's 15 to 20 hours. Right. That was, by your tone, I suspected that. Yeah. Yeah. It is a creative, interesting, well-made game that I think does not need to be nearly as long as it is. I mean, if it can continue to produce a variety of interesting mechanics and ideas at a rapid enough rate to sustain that interest, sure. The variety slows as you go further in. I would imagine it'd have to. Yeah, the pace slowing down and it being longer than it seems like it would be 
I was really losing steam later in in that game, mm-hmm. which is a shame because like there's some interesting stuff early on. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff there, and I do like the approach that EA has taken with if one person owns the game, anybody else can play it with them for free. So that's cool. Yes. I really appreciate that about that person's games, because the same was true, I believe, of A Way Out. Mm-hmm. That you got a little co-op code for that. I think that that would be a great thing for all co-op games to do. I'd be very into it. Yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate it. So, yeah, it's not bad. But I, I, as I say, I'm probably not going to stick with it any further than that. Yeah. Yeah. Steph, have you played anything else this week? Well, if you say anything else... After Outriders, the question is, have you played anything this week? Uh, The answer is yes. I have played games. I mean, obviously, we've both played a lot of Monster Hunter Rise. I didn't even bother listing it on the the pre-show notes because, you know, we both played it. It's still real good. Yeah. You know, I made a pumpkin outfit. Now I've made an outfit out of roses and thorns because it's got recovery. I liked your dog's pumpkin outfit. It was pretty good. Yeah, I've kept that on. Like, it's more than Creedle deserves. My dog's been a right Creedle, so it's called Creedle. It doesn't let me ride it when, when I want to. But anyway, fucking Creedle, dressed up. Basically looks like a dog version of the Scarecrow now. Jonathan Crane <laughs> It's good, isn't it? But yeah, 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 it's good. I've actually made a build with the rose petals and the thorn costume because it's got, like, maxed out recovery speed and and then with like one decoration maxed out recovery overall and then i've got the hunting horn with regen on it so any damage i take just ticks back up like by the second significantly just tick 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 it's fucking great and yeah i've got the horn that does regen and attack and defense up and that um sonic barrier which makes you not invincible but really tanky for like a couple seconds until someone gets hit. And that's really fun to pull off. Like it's really satisfying when you fire off the sonic barrier just as the monster winds up or roars because it tanks those two and knock back. It's so powerful, which is why it's so brief. So when when I pull that off, it's real good. But yeah, Monster Hunter Rise. Aside from that, I... (laughs) I played Balen Wonderworld. <laughs> Balen Wonder hurled up in oh. disbelief when I realised that cost fifty nine ninety nine. I can't believe it's a full priced game, and Square Enix publishes it. I can't. Be- well, after Outriders, I guess I should believe that they'd sell a lemon. It is not up to the quality level you would expect of a. Sega-produced AAA full-price video game, huh? I wouldn't expect that to live up to the standards of, like, any moderately competent indie. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't even say it like that, because that implies indie devs aren't as talented as your big AAA studios. But in terms of resources and visuals and all of that, your mid-range indie developer can do better than this. Yeah. This looks and plays like an asset flip. You could take pre-bought store assets and do something original with them and get a game that looks and plays more professionally than this. It's the, oh my God, this would make a really good Steam Greenlight game. But as a major published game at full price, I'm not even mad. I almost respect the grift on this one. I don't know how. They had the nerve and how they got away with it. It doesn't feel good to have the game in your hands. No. On a fundamental level, 
holding the controller and making the character move doesn't feel good, which is a problem yeah. in a platformer. Well, I mean, in many ways, it feels like an, an old 3D platformer. Like, when they were new and i mean only the negative sides of that you know it looks like shit it's a 3d platformer that controls like shit the jumps are god awful god awful and what strikes me so much about bail and wonderworld is just how fucking cheap it is yeah like i say it looks like a piece of shit but like any npcs any of these little characters that are dancing around with their one dancing animation you go near them they fade out the way the world moves when you move is amateur hour like it it unfurls almost and just makes you feel weird it makes me feel disoriented as you say the controls are fucking awful the graphics are like bare bones basic with that really like cheap and easy dirty way of doing a 3d platformer where the world is just floating in a skybox <laughs> so you don't have to actually make a world and i'm not gonna tar rule games that do that kind of thing as bad yeah you know uh, you get like Mario Galaxy or even like Sonic Lost World from what I remember. There are many games that do the whole, you know, some floating worlds in a skybox. But when it's combined with all the other cheapness and when it is just a plain skybox and then they took like a couple cubes and gear-shaped assets and just dotted them around, there's no quality in terms of design as well as, as your tech behind it. Like it's so bare bones and basic and all of the moves and all of the weird little animals that disappear when you get near them, because I guess that would be too taxing. You can dress up like them and get their costumes and get abilities, most of which you'd have seen in a Mario game. Yeah. You turn into a wolf that does a spin jump. You can turn into a plant that extends like that hat in Mario Odyssey. Can I talk about my favourite terrible power-up in this whole game? You may. The box power-up? I may not have got that far. Okay, so it's a power-up that turns you into a cardboard box. (laughs) Sometimes. Whenever it decides to. Whoa, the bubble does that. I got as far as the bubble. It's a sometimes move. Yeah, so you don't control when this happens. It just happens. So let's say you're walking along a platform you don't want to fall off and you're sort of running along in a straight line. Yeah. And suddenly you become a box. Oh, that's worse. And you keep some of your momentum so you now can't like jump or change direction. Oh, God. You just sort of slide off the edge. That's worse than the bubble. Yeah, there's like, there's no functional purpose to it other than sometimes you'll be a box that's ridiculous sometimes you're a box yeah i was wrestling with the bubble one before we did this <laughs> where oh my god you jump and then hold jump and a bubble forms under you and you float sometimes sometimes <laughs> because sometimes and it's almost always at a jump to actually get something mm-hmm. they seem to have added invisible parts of the sky where you can't do it around places where you need to jump off and the only way i've gotten around some of it is to jump away from where i want to go initiate the bubble and float over and just hope i get there before the bubble like bursts because it will auto burst after a while (sighs) why does it only work sometimes i tested it so much it's not something i'm doing wrong yeah same with the box I was pretty convinced there had to be something that was, like, triggering it and activating it, and no. Let's let's talk about the rhythm game. 
Let's talk about the rhythm game section. In every level, there's a hat. And if you find the hat, Balin, who will never be a thing, no matter how much they try and make Balin a thing, appears. This lovable mascot, for which I bet they've dreamt all sorts of merch, appears. And you get to, quote, unquote, players Balin. And by play, I mean they will show you a cut... Fucking hell. They will show you a cutscene. I think, I mean, I don't think it's always the same one, but it might as well be. It's Balin, this character in a top hat and, and a smile, flies through the air. And every now and then, they'll strike a pose. And a silhouetted image of them will fly towards them. And when the two align, you press X. That's it. Sometimes many of them, many of the little shadowy ghost outlines will appear and then you tap X a few times and that's it. And it, it goes for about three, three or four, and then it's over. It's less than um, like two minutes, I'd say. And that's your big bonus level is I'm going to sit and watch a cutscene and occasionally press X. Every time Balan shows up, I couldn't help but feel like they were trying to make their much less personality-driven equivalent of... If either of you have seen the Disney Princess and the Frog, mm. the villain from that... Right, right. Like, yeah. I, I got that same sort of energy of, like, we've tried to make our sort of charismatic, suave, top-hatty... Well, they probably think he's iconic. Yeah. Yeah. But just, like, I... Balan's never gonna happen. Yeah, like, the problem is, is it's almost appealing. The art style is almost appealing. Like... Because they basically copied the visual design of Knights up to a point and then stopped. I mean, everything about this game emulated from other games is like, okay, up to a point. Like, I don't know if it's a lack of money or a lack of care. I honestly don't know. And I don't give a shit because they charged like a game that had more money and care behind it. And it doesn't play like it's got either. It is cheap. The levels are so drab and plain and full of nothing. They are designed inelegantly. It controls like ass. And it's not even so shit I'm angry about it. It's that mediocre. It's, it's not just cheap and shit. Everything about it struggles to inspire feeling in me. Aside from disbelief. Like, I'm more baffled than mad at this game. It might be because I've been struggling with Outriders for two weeks. It's just forgettable. Oh, yeah. It is a game that has tried so hard to be unique and creative, and none of it lands as memorable. I'll add one modifier, at least for me. Everything about it as a game is, yeah, completely forgettable. As a product, I think this is going to be a puzzle for me for several years. <laughs> as I just wonder, what the fuck is this? Like, that's the overall question for me, is like, what the fuck is this shit? What are they doing? Who are they fooling? Why and what? Balin Wonderworld. I mean, I've played... I've played better. Yeah. I've played better low-rung Steam games. I won't go as far as asset flips, because they're a, a very particular type of lazy. But I've certainly played, you know, some low-tier... Some of the shit I would do for Squirty Plays uh, and stuff like that. I play better than this. Not because this is particularly broken. I mean, that's the thing as well. It's not broken. It looks like it, it's playing how they want it to. It's just... Either they're cheap or lazy. Yeah. Calling devs lazy and that is considered a faux pas. 
I think sometimes it's fucking true. And I won't say it's true of this, but it feels cheap and or lazy. What the fuck is that game? <laughs> Comrade, what do you what do you played this week? Well, okay, I did play a little more into Rita Boy. Oh yeah. And I keep hearing about that game, but I've never actually like proper looked at it. I like mostly what I know is from you. The visuals are great. Mm-hmm. The art direction <laughs> is so cool. The music is excellent. The combat is fine. The traversal <laughs> is. Eh. It is a very emotional, narrative-driven journey. And it's it's a bummer. Like, there is some just deeply sad shit in this. If you want to, like, get emotional yeah. in a kind of relatively slow-paced and sometimes hard to figure out where you're supposed to go next, but still relatively compact Metroidvania-ish experience, I could see liking it. I still don't care for a lot of the movement mechanics, but they've gotten better with the increase in, you know, abilities. Getting a dodge and then later a a shoulder thing. That's enhanced the combat. It's made traversal a bit more interesting um, and easy to manage. But, I mean, on the whole, I'm still not super hot on it. And every time... I realize, oh crap, I'm going to have to see a memory. I know that I'm going to feel like it's dragging and I'm going to be made sad by it. And so it's just making it hard for me to keep wanting to play it. It's beautiful though. Gosh, some of the environment design stuff and character designs for these programs are just super cool, but not enough for me to keep playing. I think I'm good. (laughs) I just am sick of getting bummed out by it. Yeah. Other things I've played. I think this is one you've played as well, Conrad. I played through Rain on Your Parade. Yeah, I didn't finish it. I got a good bit of the way through. Yeah, I don't think you need to finish it to have a pretty good feel of what this is. No, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So this is a game where you are an asshole cloud in Seattle ruining everyone's time. You're a little, you're a little cartoon cloud made of cardboard and... All of your little sandbox levels you dropped into are use your powers as a cloud to do various objectives. Okay, but I I think we need to pull back a little bit because, yes, that is mechanically what is happening in the game. But narratively, this is a story that a father seemingly having some difficulty relationship-wise with their spouse (laughs) is telling this story to a child. And I think that that is a necessary context to keep in mind throughout this. Yeah, it is a story being told from the perspective of someone who very much enjoys watching other people, gets a little bit of joy out of watching other people suffering and is telling a story to their child about that. And not, not, it's not merely even that. Like, the characters that they, oh, damn it. All right, sorry, I had to go check. There is a specific level in this game because it likes to play with all sorts of mechanics and it thinks it's very funny and sometimes it actually is. Yeah. And one of these stages is basically the stage starts and you're not to move this and once you move you lose. Yeah. And I did up until a couple of hours sometime in the you know last few hours I held the top position for not moving. Oh, do you not hold it anymore? Uh, no, it's been beaten. Oh. It's been beaten by by some Twitch streamer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, comrade until just before recording held the record for just sitting there and leaving the program running open the longest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, But you got the screenshot. That's what matters. Hang on a sec. You can get records for doing nothing. 
Because I, I, I have got some calls to make if that's the case. I mean, in a <laughs> sense, I wasted a tremendous amount of electricity contributed to global warming. Again, I could apply for some awards here. <laughs> right, yeah. It loves referential humor and parody. Yeah. It's big on that. There is a Silent Hill stage. There's an early Metal Gear Solid level. Yes. I do love the uh, characters that hang out with the signs that say, I love Cloud. I always love to reward them. They were always my favorite ones to rain on. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just makes me, it, they seem happy. I'm happy. Everybody uh, wins there. Mechanically, it does start off as just move and do rain. But like, as, as you go through, it slowly doles out new mechanics to you. Other things a rain cloud could do to interact with the world. Well, other weather effects. Yeah, there's at least one that's not specifically cloud-based. Yeah, and they applied in interesting ways. The puzzles aren't particularly difficult, but they require some critical thinking to puzzle through them. It feels a little comparable to elements of something like Untitled Goose Game. It feels a little comparable to... Donut County. Stuff like Donut County, for example in that it's all, here's your main objective, but there's also secondary objectives you can sort of puzzle out how to do, and often you'll have to complete all the presented objectives to get presented like, okay, here's the last one you got to do. When there are hidden objectives as well that you might just discover through activity over the course of play yeah. um, that you could have missed entirely. And that's, that's neat and well executed. I think as you go further through, it finds some interesting ways to combine your tool set to create some interesting puzzles. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm most of the way through and, and I, yeah, I was looking forward to playing this. It had popped up on Game Pass. It comes out Friday. If you've got the power that isn't strictly a cloud-based power, you're pretty near the end. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm flinging stuff pretty well. The map seems fairly full. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting there. Yeah, it's not a particularly lengthy game. I reckon probably four or five hours you could be through a playthrough. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, I found where the end point on the map is, and there's not much further to go. The, sh yeah. the levels are generally short and punchy. Everyone once in a while, it can be difficult to pick out that one thing that you didn't manage to accomplish. Where's that one person running around this wedding venue that I haven't soaked with rain yet? I can see most of you are wet, but where's the dry one in the mm -hmm. crowd? Mm -hmm. You know, but like, generally, it's fun, lighthearted environmental puzzle gameplay and it's got charm i think a lot of the characters are very well written i love the old lady uh, the old lady's great she's something she's very direct with you about the life she has led yes and she has <laughs> led a life yeah like, actually in some ways she does remind me a little bit of my mother <clears throat> in the sense that like she has led a very interesting life my mother has and she has told me things about it that I really wish maybe she hadn't, you know, well, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. but that, that's the way it is. It's coming to Game Pass on, on Xbox. It's also coming to PC and to Switch. Uh, there is a PlayStation version in the works, but it's coming a bit later. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Game Pass is good. Yeah. Game Pass is good. I wish I'd fucking got Outriders on Game Pass. <laughs> that's what I should have done. So, yeah, rain on your parade. If you've got, like, four or five hours free and you want to play something that's a little bit Donut County and a little bit Untitled Goose Game about a cloud that's a bit of a jerk... Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun time. I'm checking that one out. Yeah. I like the sound of it and everything. Oh, 
Can I rattle off a few other games I've played? Because I played a bunch of other stuff this week. I'm going to get through these nice and quick. I played some of Pac-Man 99 because that's out now. Oh. oh. Yeah. It's very much the same formula that Nintendo's been doing with all of these uh, retro game 99s. Yeah. You're picking whether you want to target people who uh, currently have the most points or are the closest to death or the people who are currently attacking you, etc. Those ones always bastards. Yes. So basically... Th- you're playing regular Pac-Man, you're trying to stay alive as long as possible. You have chains of, like, not actually present ghosts, of, like, little ghost tokens that it's like, hey, if you go over these, it'll add a bunch of ghosts to your map, which will make it more difficult, but if you do so and get straight away to a power pellet, that's gonna give you a really good score and it's gonna go send a bunch of things to other players. Every now and then you will have other pack people show up on your maze, and basically, if you go through them, you will your movement speed will get slowed down until you come out the other side. So it sometimes necessitates uh, moving around the maze in a different way. There needs to be a full game of this and other match types for Pac-Man. Big bunch of multiplayer Pac-Man games would be great. Yeah. And the other thing about it is every time the fruits come back up, if you get the fruit, it will uh, completely replace all the power pellets, which means that you can sort of plan your route in such a way to keep cycling and keeping things going. It's a fun Pac-Man variant. Yeah. I have been doing pretty well at this. I've been doing more consistently well at this than I did at Tetris or Mario 99. I was just thinking that because I said last week I'm not fond of either of those two, but I am, you know... I get on a lot better with Pac-Man than I do either of those games. If you get on better with Pac-Man, maybe give this a go. I might do, yeah. I've found it a lot easier to just get on with playing Pac-Man quite well, and that being enough for me to do quite well. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll check it. I haven't had to put nearly as much thought into the metagame of what's going on around my Pac-Man game. Yeah. I also played through a couple of hours short little puzzle game called Helltakers. Ooh. It's been a while since I've talked about like a weird horny game on Podquisition, but I got two this week. I saw some screenshots of one of them. Yeah. So Helltakers is a puzzle game about a man going down to hell trying to make a harem of demon ladies. (laughs) And you make your harem of demon ladies by doing puzzles where you push blocks and you have a certain number of moves and you've got to work out the puzzle to get to the demon lady before you run out of steps and... Uh, run out of willpower to move through hell. This is all in the Bible, by the way. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. read this bit. Mm-hmm. Look, it's a puzzle game that's a thinly veiled excuse to meet, like, cute one-dimensional demon girl archetypes and have a very brief amount of, like, dialogue choice where it's like, hey, here's a bit of a conversation with them. Here's two dialogue choices. One of them's going to get you killed and one of them's going to get you a new demon girl to go in your, your collection of demon ladies. Nice. What you going to pick? Keep going. It's not any kind of highbrow interesting thing. Vapid demons that are either going to fuck me or kill me are exactly my type. I know, right? That's that's the thing. This game does not pretend to be anything more than it is, which is a puzzle game that's a thinly veiled reason to be kind of horny about demon ladies. Well, I mean, if you commit to that strongly enough and provide a decent game to back it up, the unapologetic nature of it is the reward. That's the thing. The puzzle gameplay is good mm-hmm. and the little bits of um, flirting with a hot demon are well executed. I think that it is worth a couple of hours of play. It's not a bad time. I also played Twerk Hero. This is the one I... Specifically Lil Nas X's Twerk Hero. (laughs) So... 
Twilight Hero is a game that has already existed for a while on mobile devices. Mm-hmm. It's a DDR-style music rhythm game where you use your finger on mobile and the touchscreen to wiggle around very jiggly asses to hit the arrows as they come in on the beat. They made a version of it that's playable for free in browsers that is... Uh, we, we talked about Lunar's X's Call Me By Your Name video a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a four-level browser game of... Go through the four different scenes from that music video, making Lil Nas twerk to shake away the the temptations. (laughs) That's how the game frames it. Ah, fight off temptations with that jiggly ass. I, you know, not until very, very recently have I heard of Lil Nas X. Mostly because I haven't heard of most people (laughs) who are famous these days. But everything I've heard has just been sublime. (laughs) Yeah, so like, look, it's very clear this is like, it's marketing promotional tie-in, but like, I really like it as just unapologetically low-thought, fun, queer content. Because mm-hmm. like, as I was playing through it, I, I initially was like, what does this compare to? And I was initially thinking of stuff like the games from Robert Yang, which are admittedly usually over-the-top and silly examinations of being gay, but they're usually abstractions of something more serious and more thoughtful. Oh yeah, they are quite the experience. Yeah, this is not that, and I think that's okay, because, you know, Queer experiences don't always have to have some kind of deeper meaning behind them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's okay for it to just be really fun to shake a gay man's ass around to get the temptation music to go away. Yeah, of course. And let me just say, it is it is fun to shake this ass. Mm. Oh, are you shaking that ass? Oh, I'm shaking that ass. Are you shaking it? Yeah. Look, in terms of just like low mental resource required fun, silly queer content. And it is, it's no pressure. Yeah. It's nice. Just, just shaking that ass. Just shake that ass. It's free. Go play it. It's like, it's going to take you like 10 minutes to get through. It gets a little challenging at the end. It is a fun thing that makes me happy this exists. And one last thing, because I've played too much bloody stuff this week. I've been playing Train Simulator, because I've been having a real obsessive spell recently. I've been missing being outside in the world. I think that's sort of gotten to me. And I've missed riding trains. I'm obsessed with trains, bloody love trains, I'm an autistic stereotype, I know. As someone that very specifically enjoys train journeys and specific models of trains and specific real-world train routes... You've been having a big train thing, like big train kick lately. Yeah, I've been a real big train kick. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of, like, driver's cabin perspectives and train journeys... I haven't ridden a train in over a year, and I like mm-hmm. trains used to be a proper obsessive interest for me. They're great, yeah, they're great. I I have to take a six hour journey for a lot of my shows out to Pittsburgh, and it's the yeah. best time of my life. Exactly, it's oh, they're wonderful. So, as someone that like bloody loves trains, Train Simulator is perfect for what my brain has been craving recently. It is. Real-time recreations of real-world train journeys with real-world models of trains. <laughs> you can go sit in, like, the passenger seating and control the train from there and be like, oh, well, the seats look like they should in the interior of the That's train great. looks right. And Can you get yourself a sandwich at the sandwich area? I mean, you can make yourself a sandwich in real life and sit by your computer uh, and eat your sandwich in the seating. Because I like going to the little 
there's a little dining car area, right? And I do business class, right? So does anyone who comes with, because I'm a fucking diamond, right? Including my opponent for the Sterling Rules match. Because I'm kind. So I thought, you know... Bring her up with me yeah. and and show off my generosity. But yeah, um, <laughs> this sounds like you can just you can wander freely around the train. Yeah, you know you can sort of uh, move your camera through the train. You can sit in the driver's cabin properly. You can have a nice overhead view. There's lots of different perspectives you can have. Can you pull the chain? Can you pull the chain and get fined for stopping the train? <laughs> you can't do that, but you can make the the horn on the train go whenever you like. <gasps> Yeah. God, seriously, I've been looking at expensive, like, USB train controllers, because fuck, I've gone down the rabbit hole. I forget if you mentioned, have you been thinking of, like, model trains? Oh. Like, a nice little train set. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, mm, yeah, I'm right down that rabbit hole. So... Yeah, other thing I love about Train Simulator, all of the real-world train stations are accurately modelled on their actual train stations, which for someone who's like me who is missing very specific train stations, being able to go out and fly around them. Ah, oh, Gatwick train station, which is one of the airport train stations in yeah. the UK. You can park up your train and then watch the planes land at the airport from your train, and <laughs> mm, that's delightful. So, I have a thing to talk about with it. I'm not going to get into too much depth on this because I've got an episode of Accessibility going up on Friday that goes into more depth on this. Short version, Train Simulator as a game does not ship with a lot of content. It's about 25 bucks for the base game, and that comes with like six trains and like four tracks. If you want to add more content to this game, and specifically like, oh, there is a real world train station and uh, like train route and train that I want to play, DLC for this game is pricey. Like, there are over 700 pieces of DLC for this game, and for, like, a train and its corresponding track, you're looking at anywhere between 15 and £35, pounds, Oof. which is pricey. Yeah. It's one of those things where it can add up quick if you do not pay attention. Mm, that is worrying. I'm looking at yeah. the footage of it now. It looks cute for sure. But yeah, that. But like, here's the thing. I'm not going to be super critical on that pricing structure. Because like, this is not loot boxes. Yeah, you're getting what you're paying for. Yeah. You know. The thing about the pricing structure for this is that this is very niche content. Like, I'll talk about this. I used to take a train between two stations. I used to take the train from Bournemouth into London Waterloo. And it was a couple of hours journey. And it was the journey I always made when I wanted to go into London when I used to live in Bournemouth. And... To be able to go get that specific stretch of track with the correct train for it and to be able to go and stop at every one of the stations that I have nostalgia for, I guarantee the number of people who are looking for that specific train line and train in the world, pretty niche. Mm -hmm. You're a niche within a niche. You're looking Mm -hmm. for people who want accurate train simulators and have nostalgia for this one train track at this place in this one country that's the stuff you've got to worry about because that's the stuff you can you know you can crank up a price on this is why no matter how many times street fighter fans get upset at me this is why fighting games are so ripe for all of that dlc and multiple season passes yeah so i bought a couple of bits of dlc for this Mm -hmm. and i don't regret doing that i have had a wonderful time this week basically just repeatedly doing the two train routes in the world that I have the most nostalgia for. And that's been great. I've had a wonderful time. It has been very worth my money. But I have felt the hooks there. 
I have felt it on the periphery being like, it would be really easy to add more to this game, and it would add up fast. And that's a thing that I want to caution anyone. Yeah. I don't mind DLC, but if you've got to warn folks, that's when I'm like, ooh, I might keep away myself. Yeah, look, I'll say it this way. Anecdotally, a lot of the people who I have spoken to this week about this game are other autistic people with obsessions with trains. Now, I'm not saying that's the entire audience for that game, but a lot of the people who are into Train Simulator are people who have a very specific obsessive interest in trains and also are disabled people. And I have spoken to some people who've spent beyond their means on this game, and I can understand how it happens. Yeah, this is something especially when it comes to these accessibility issues, especially the ones you've talked about on your show. Yeah, developers have a responsibility. People will argue whether they do or they don't. If you, I think you have a responsibility to your audience to not exploit the fuck out of them. Yeah, again, I'm not going to say that this is inherently exploitative, but I'm going to say if you are someone who is coming to this for the same reasons as I did, out of an obsessive love of trains, just be aware up front and be vigilant for it. But like, if if you are able to be the kind of person that can go, I know what content I'm looking for, and I will get that content and nothing else, and I and I will play that, and that will be what I play. I could not ask for a better simulator of getting to have exactly the experience I've been missing that I haven't had for the last year that I've been really craving. It is a very good recreation of a real-world thing that I was feeling very despondent for having missed for a year. Yeah. I'm looking at the... I'm actually looking at the DLC page. It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous, right? It's so... It's extensive. Oh yeah, there's 700 pieces of DLC. And they are a lot of money. Yeah, the average one is about 25 quid. They range between 15 and 35. Uh, And usually 25 quid is getting you a couple of hours stretch of train track and a model of train. Yeah, this is... Like, I liked Euro Truck Simulator a lot. Yeah. The idea of having a wander on a, a train is actually interesting to me. Yeah. When I see a page like this... I know part of it. Yeah. It's not just about whether it would, like, prey on my ADHD and stuff like that. Yeah. It's also, this is just so overwhelming, it instantly turns me off. Yes. I would say that this is a game that if you ever see, like, oh, there's a humble bundle of, like, the game and a bunch of DLC or something... It's worth picking up, but just, yeah, simulator games have always been rife for expensive DLC. Some of them are more or less bad at it than others. Microsoft Flight Sim, as much as I love it, has some very expensive DLC that is there for people who are very into it. Well, this is the problem, is when it's a really niche thing, you know. Yeah. I know how expensive Boglins have gotten. Like, the things fans will do to each other to get prices up of something really niche. Like, it worries me. Getting really niche interest, especially if they're attractive to more, like, vulnerable customers. Um, just again, it, it's all about that responsibility. Mm. You should have warnings. There should be Surgeon General's warnings on every video game. I can't believe I, I've ended up Leland Yee about this. 
but for logical reasons. Yeah, so this is why I wanted to bring it up. Like, I have had a fantastic, fantastic time with this game. I'm going to be streaming a bunch of it. I have my first speedrun world record in that game. (laughs) I had a really lovely stream doing this. I think it's going to be my Friday. Wait a minute. Sorry, not to cut in. Are you wondering how to speedrun it? (laughs) I mean, it's literally on rails. Okay, so... Any percent speed run, you can avoid any of the stopping at stations. The main things you have to worry about are if a particular turn on the track is too steep of a bend for you to do uh, at full speed, uh, you will derail the train and invalidate the speed run. You can speed, but speeding will increase the frequency of something else. Basically, there's a driver alertness system, which will frequently Mm. just make sure you are still engaged if you have not changed any of the controls on the train in a while. If you don't respond to that quickly enough, the entire train will emergency shut down, thinking that there is no one behind the, the controls, force you to come to a complete stop, Turn all controls off before you can ramp the train back up, which is a major time loss. That's basically the things: is don't derail the train and don't let the train yeah. get forced into an auto stop. But that, that, yeah. And then, of course, you know, if everyone digs into those speedrun strats, we'll get station skips. Like, it's kind of a joke game to speedrun, but sure. I've been having a lot of fun using it as an excuse to... I streamed this Friday last week, and it was basically two hours of, let me tell you about why I like trains and get very overexcited. I mean, it's become a really good form of content. You know, you're taking these obscure games and being like, right, I'm going to turn this competitive, even on a small scale. Exactly. So if any of you were interested in Train Simulator, the day I After this podcast goes up on Friday, I'm probably going to be doing another train simulator stream, which should be pretty chill. So yeah, that's that's everything I've played. Should we quickly try and get a couple of news stories out of the way? Yeah, can do. Okay, a couple of quick ones we'll just rattle off. Nintendo doesn't want you to see what Bowser's penis looks like. And whoa. (laughs) Yeah. It must be, for them to copyright claim it, it must have been close. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So some porn creator on Patreon made a 3D model of Bowser's penis and they got a cease and desist for copyright stuff. And that was my assumption is, oh, you infringed on the copyright of Bowser's penis here. Yeah, Miyamoto spent days designing that. It is quite a, quite a hog. Yeah, um. <laughs> like I mean, it would yeah. it would look good, like among the bad dragon range of dildo. Yeah, it really would. Yeah, impressive. Uh, there's a pair of stories that, as Conrad pointed out, are quite interesting together. So there was a story on Bloomberg about Sony apparently making a real big focus on just mega selling AAA big budget franchises and doesn't really want to make anything else anymore. Mm-hmm. Basically, they don't want to put resources on new creative stuff that is unproven to be big successes and isn't big budget. As I've said for over half a decade, these companies don't want some of the money. Yeah. They want all of the money. Mm-hmm. Well, you say that. Apparently Nintendo might want some of the money that maybe isn't all of the money. Nintendo is always different. That's the thing. <laughs> Nintendo is always in its own strange, bizarre bubble. Yeah. Like when I say like game publishers, there's always that caveat of and Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, so the Nintendo story to greatly simplify, mm-hmm. in an interview with the new president of Nintendo, he talked about the fact that the company going forward wants to make a real concerted effort to make more new IP 
alongside their established franchises. About the only company I would believe that from. Well, and, and why wouldn't they? They have a pretty good track record, especially lately, of at least when they decide that they're going to put some force behind uh, a new property or a new IP, it does well. Splatoon is a great mm-hmm. example. We're going to have Splatoon yeah, yeah. 3 here soon. It continues to do very well. It's very popular. And it's not that old. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was only like on the Wii U, so like six or seven years ago, right? and it's already on its third entry and everyone's loving it. They make high quality games for the most part and they push them all. Yeah. Right. You know, you have some some misfires, sure, yeah. that does happen from time to time, but I think it, if you want... Well, okay. Now, this is very difficult under capitalism for executives to do, seemingly, who have to meet quarterly uh, returns and, and secure their massive bonuses. But if you spend the kind of investment on one huge game and you split that kind of investment among, say, four smaller games and only one of those games winds up being a huge hit, hey, guess what? You have a new huge hit that you can exploit and make multiple games of. Yeah. Exactly. That will more than make up the difference that you spent on those three that didn't pan out so great, which in many cases will probably still do okay if you're a company like Nintendo that's dedicated to quality. I really hope this pays off for Nintendo because I really enjoy it when they make new things. Yes. Yeah, and then the last story that's probably worth talking about this week, Intel is working on an AI-powered program called Bleep that... The point of it is to, in real time, you know, censor voice chat conversations. So, you know, you're on you're on voice chat and some other players, you know, throwing around a bunch of bad words. You, you hear them beeped out rather than hearing them. That's the concept. But the reason that this became news this week is because of a screenshot from a presentation of what the interface might look like. <laughs> there were a series of sliders. Yes, it's, sliders are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate that they're just like straight up. Hey, no. All right. You know, the N word right out. All variations. You're either on board with it or you're not. Yeah. So outside of the N word, which is an on or off toggle. For things like, say, misogyny. <laughs> Do you want no misogyny, some misogyny, most of the misogyny, or all of the misogyny? Oh, yeah, I just, I'd like to have a little misogyny. How much racism and xenophobia would you like? None, some, most, or all. I love that someone saw all of these, like, we've seen so many emergent, customizable accessibility options. And someone saw, like, the difficulty sliders in Celeste or the accessibility modifiers in The Last of Us 2 and thought, what if that, but for the tenets of the National Socialist Party? (laughs) My my favourite thing about this is, okay, there's two things. First of all, the fact that there is a middle slider at all is hilarious. (laughs) But more so than that is the fact that there are two degrees of middle slider. It's not just no some or all it's well no you're in the middle you know do you want a little do you want a bit more uh, look laura 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 bigotry is a spectrum <laughs> can i have a little transphobia as a treat <laughs> for pudding <laughs> racism for dinner Transphobia for pudding wash it all down can i have you know a little transphobia with 
most of the homophobia. <laughs> Not all of it, though. I'm, I'm, I'm a little full for all of the homophobia. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, can I get about, oh, you know, a quarter of racism and about 33 states worth of transphobia playing this? <laughs> Fucking yeah, hell. I, mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, they're trying to help, but someone clearly didn't think about oh, the optics of this yeah. before announcing it. Oh, my fucking God, video games. I love it. I love yeah. video games. I also saw while we were recording, like, fucking Bioware talking about a hypothetical Snyder's cut. Don't bring director's cuts oh, to video no, games. No, don't do we'll that. We'll still get the remakes and the remasters, and they'll just exploit the ever-loving fuck out of it and oh. use it as more ex- excuses to, like, cut content. Like, I was just speaking with um, Patrick Klepper, whose work I like very much, said, well, you know, I'm not saying making movies is easy, but it would be significantly harder to do it with games. I don't disagree. But he- publishers love to contrive things. So, and these movie studios are going to start contriving it. It's not been lost on any of them, the reaction to the Snyder Cut and the demands for more cuts. Often geek communities will do this shit to themselves. So if we start getting our direct director's cuts of, of especially EA published games, you just wait. I just want to say Cassandra's calling it again. If it happens, it will get so, so bad, and I do kind of dread that it will happen. They've started putting the feelers out. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in. I just wanted a record (laughs) that I said it on April 14th. (laughs) So, yeah, we've gone for like an hour and a half. Should we we wrap this up? Yeah, I shouldn't have been sitting up this long. I'm an idiot. Laura. Me. Some people might want to sit up into the... The hours of the morning, like 4am, they're up and they're like, I need content, Jesus Christ. And I specifically need content from someone who loves trains. Oh, how could they me? Do that? Yeah. That, that could be me. Yeah. yeah. Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Mm. Uh, I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. For the time being, Friday nights are going to be train nights, so if you want to hear me just go for like two hours about why I love trains, you can tune in for that. Other than that, I have books. Uncomfortable Labels, that's about being autistic and trans, and it's out now. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, it's about video game character butts, it's out now. Gender Euphoria, it's about people being happy with their gender who aren't cis people, and a bunch of people have written words for it. That comes out on June 10th, 2021. That's less than two months away now. It's getting real close. Uh, I also do podcasts. Pixel Squirt, it's about video game character pornography. There is Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is about things that aren't just video games that I've played in the week, like, you know, movies and TV and stuff like that. There is also Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. They're all self-contained stories, so jump in wherever you like. Conrad, you were on that show, right? I sure was. And you could also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can come hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I'm on four days a week at a variety of times, so hopefully there's one that fits you. You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. I'm also on the podcast Let's Talk About Snacks, available wherever you get your podcast podcasts talking about snacks or other things, but specifically the one I'm on is about snacks. And all of the stuff that I do gets supported on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fist shark. And hey, you know who else has a Patreon? Who? Who? <laughs> oh God, I'm scared.
Why, it's James Stephanie Sterling. Uh, oh, God, it's worse than I thought. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition pays for, well, this, that, and the other. Ooh. So you can go there. Uh, I stream Twitch TV, Jim Sterling, usually Tuesday afternoon. So I try and fit in some others here and there. And again, just as a reminder, April 24th, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, Twitch TV slash Go Professional Wrestling. Uh, that is the day of the Polyam Cult Party 3, where I will be participating in a Sterling Rules match, as well as overseeing David Lawless versus who knows we, we're going to determine a contender but that will also be there for the rise championship defending the regency well lawless will be representing and defending the regency so exciting there will also be a pre-show on the jim sterling channel hosted by laura and conrad that's right and that'll be an hour yeah 2 p.m eastern we'll have to make sure this time we actually in advance make sure we can get onto your channel before yes, we, try we will arrange all that it should <laughs> everything should go a lot smoother things uh more things are in place yeah we've, we've planned more in advance this time. Yeah. We should have like content. I'm going to cut like some videos and stuff as well. So yeah, it'll be fun. Ooh. Yeah, it'll be a very good day. It'll be a very good day. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, I hope you all have very good days in general. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Um, we will see you next time. Um, be sick in my mouth. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I like these really erotic sign-offs I'm doing. I think it will turn people on.